0: again, everybody. It's good to see you and everybody watching online and at the Montrose Building. Thanks for joining us as well and taking the time to gather together. I think that's a big deal to see each other and hang out. So thanks for prioritizing that. We are starting a new series uh, this weekend that we call Bland, Dim, and Boring. Uh, we were made for more. And uh, we're going to talk about just how oftentimes our faith and our walk with Jesus feels that way. But in reality, it's life-giving and God wants to use us in it. So, uh, it, it, um, and I want, I'm excited to walk us through this a little bit and, and to get, think through these ideas. We, we're drawing this out of a place that we've been hanging out a little bit. So if you've been um, kind of hanging out with us the last few months, you can probably tell that we're kind of walking through like the life of Jesus and, and walking through his teachings. And we've come to this place that we call the Sermon on the Mount. So it's this place that uh, Jesus kind of sat down, a bunch of people gathered around him, and he gave this sermon. And in many ways, it's his most like comprehensive sermon that he gives, and he talks a lot about who he is, and if you're a Christ follower, who we're supposed to be, and how that all plays out in, in our lives. And so we, we've been hanging out here the last the last few months, and I wanna take us to like the next part of that conversation that he's having there on the Sermon on the Mount. So if you're, uh, if you're dialed in, uh, if you're not yet a Christ follower, then uh, what this weekend's conversation will do is describe to you what it means to be a Christ follower. Like it will help you understand the way that a Christ follower w- would think and the parts of Jesus' teaching that we're often trying to respond to. So if you're thinking about that, or like weighing that, it'll kind of let you know a little bit what, you're, what you'll be getting yourself into. If you are a Christ follower, what Jesus is going to do this weekend is he's going to give you an identity. And so he's going to look and say, this is who you actually are, and this is what I've actually called you to be. And that identity would be something that we would really hold on to and say, I want that identity to define and to, to direct me in my relationship with God. All right, So we'll look at that a little bit. This is, the, this is the path I'm going to take us on. I'm going to talk about a, a lie that we believe, a few lies that we tend to believe we've got to be careful of. We'll kind of listen to them. And then kind of the counter that, these truths that Jesus wants us to embrace about ourselves. And then we're going to look at Jesus' motivation in that, like why he's doing that, what he's digging at. And then we'll talk about what he actually is interested in, what he actually wants from us, Okay. So, like I said, we're kind of going through this in like a linear fashion. And to, to kick off this weekend, I want to talk a little bit about where we left off last weekend. So, last weekend, we're just kind of going right through what Jesus said. So, we paused, of course, because we ran out of time. But last weekend, Jesus is teaching here at the Sermon on the Mount. And kind of the last part of his teaching that we looked at was, was this out of Matthew. Jesus is talking to us, and he says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. So be happy about it, Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. And so we talked about, and this is on the podcast, it's on the app, it's online if you want to hear the whole conversation, but we focused in last week on these statements that Jesus made. And what he was saying to his followers is, he's like, guys, listen, when you really line up with me and you really identify, that, uh, identify with me, that's going to cause problems for you in your life. Because he said, in a different part of the Bible, he said, I actually didn't come to bring unity. I didn't come so that we could all get along and live at peace and coexist with each other. That's not what I came for. What he said is, he said, I actually came to divide and what's gonna happen is I'm gonna divide people. I'm gonna divide families. I'm gonna divide cultures. I'm gonna divide the dorm, kind of a thing. But the reason I'm dividing is not because I'm being a jerk. The reason that I'm gonna be divisive is because I'm so clear on who I am. And my clarity on who I am, by logic, means that that other thing is not what other people say so for instance jesus says this statement he says i am the way so he says i am the way there's no other name under heaven by which you can be saved so i am the only way to heaven now by logic what that means is these other ways aren't the way and jesus is like that's going to be divisive i'm not trying to be a jerk i'm just being truthful I'm the only way to heaven, which means that religion, that way, that way of thinking, that's not the way. And that's going to cause division among people. He says, I'm the truth. So I am the truth. So by logic, if he's the truth, that means that my truth is not the truth, that your truth is not the truth, that somebody else's truth is not the truth. He is the truth. And Jesus is like, yeah, when I say stuff like that, like it's true and it's going to be divisive, and when you lack, latch on to that and you align yourself with me, that division is going to wind up with you. He actually said, people are going to hate you because of me, and they're going to look at you, and they're going to be angry with you because you aligned with me. So he said, that's kind of the way this works. Like People are going to mock you. They're going to persecute you. They're going to lie about you. And they're going to say all kinds of evil things against you, because you're my followers. In fact, be glad, be very glad, because that probably means you're actually portraying me correctly. When that division happens in your life, and he talked other parts of the Bible, and he just said, just don't be surprised when that happens. Like that's the way that this works. I, Jesus never promised us like prosperity and health and wellness and wealth. He promised us trials and persecutions and hatred. He's like, that's what happened to me. Like, I never sinned. I'm not a jerk, but people hated me because I was speaking a truth that they found difficult to to handle. Okay, now, when you think about this idea that you're gonna be mocked and persecuted and lied about and people are gonna say all kinds of evil things about you, why Jesus is telling us this is because that reality is gonna expose a human frailty. That reality is gonna expose a human frailty. And here's the human frailty. I have this frailty, you have this frailty, everybody has this frailty, it's universal. And here it is, ready? What I hear the most about myself is what I tend to believe about myself. So what I hear the most about myself is what I tend to believe about myself. So maybe you had the privilege of being raised a mama's boy like I did. My mom thought I was great. And she told me all the time, she's like, honey, you are the smartest, you are the funniest, you are the best, you are so good looking, like you are a beautiful child. And like she she would tell me all these things about myself all the time. What I heard the most about myself is what I believe about myself. Uh, Think of like an athlete, a pro athlete maybe, and all they've ever been told is that you're amazing and you're special and you're different and you're unique. When you only ever hear positive and you only ever hear somebody building you up, what you hear the most about yourself is what you will tend to believe about yourself, you might struggle with pride. Because no one has told you anything different. You're like, I am amazing. I am good looking. I am what my mom said, right? You might struggle with pride. Now just flip that. If you grew up in an unhealthy situation and all you were ever told was you weren't wanted, you're the problem, you were a mistake, you're the reason why, you're an obligation, why can't you do better? Why are you such a screw up? what you will probably struggle with is self-confidence. Because what I hear the most about myself is what I tend to believe about myself. What Jesus is saying is like, guys, if you're my follower, this is what you're going to hear the most. When you actually follow me, people are going to mock you. They're going to persecute you. They're going to lie about you. And they're going to say all kinds of evil things about you. That's what they did to me, that every person who's ever followed God, the ancient prophets of old, that's what happened to them. And they weren't being jerks. They were just speaking truth, with, with, even with grace and mercy, the truth was offended, offensive to people. And you run into that all the time. If you speak the truth, or even like logic, in our culture today, a lot of times that's received as hate. You hate me because you don't agree with me and you won't enable me. And you can stand and say, well, I I don't hate you. I was just being honest. Well, it's received as hate. Even if you speak logic, well, what you're saying is not logical. How can you reject me? I'm I'm not trying to reject you. I'm just saying, like, that makes no sense, right? You're going to be like, you're a hater. You're a jerk. You're old fashioned. You won't participate in what we're doing. You're self-righteous. I'm not trying to be self-righteous. I'm just like trying to follow God. No, that's self-righteous. And Jesus is like, yeah, that happens all the time because you're my followers, because you're living the way and loving the way that I've asked you to love. That might happen in the dorm. That might happen at work. That might happen in your own family. Why why do you want to forgive dad and try to weave him back into our lives? That's the stupid, I want to forgive as I've been forgiven. I can't believe that's the most, you're so dumb. And what I hear the most about myself is what I tend to believe the most about myself. And Jesus is warning us that this is what you're going to hear. You're a hater. You're old-fashioned. I can't believe you're self-righteous. What are you, Victorian? Like, you're going to be mocked. You're going to be lied about. Can you believe that they hate us? Can you believe that they reject us? Can you believe? And all kinds of evil things are being said about you. You are trying to control us. You're trying to run. And Jesus is like, that's what you're going to hear. And don't be shocked by it. Don't, Don't be blown away by it. It's pretty normal. Happens to you happened to me, Jesus, happened to the prophets of old. The temptation is not that somehow this isn't going to happen to you. The temptation is what I hear the most about myself is what I tend to believe about myself. So Jesus is exposing this lie and the lie that we have to be careful not to accept if we're following God, if you're a jerk, it's on you, But if you're following God and doing what's right and you're persecuted because of him, is this temptation to accept these accusations? And you, all of us have heard this and all of us have felt this. When you're the only one in the dorm who is looking and saying, I don't want to participate in that activity, you're self-righteous, you're so, you start to wonder if it's true, when, you, when you're the only one who looks and says, I, I don't think that's like natural or godly. How could, you're such a hater. Who think nobody. And you're, you're there and like nobody agrees with you. And they all think that you're the ignorant old-fashioned one. You start to think, maybe, maybe I am the, maybe I was, just, maybe my parents did program me. Maybe I'm closed-minded. When you work for a woke company and all these policies are coming down and you realize that you're not going to get promoted, you're not going to move forward because you look and say, I, I don't know, maybe, I mean, am I out of touch? Am I like from the middle age, right? We tend to start to believe what we hear because what we hear about ourselves tends to be what we believe about ourselves. And the lie that Jesus is warning us about is that these accusations we will actually start to wonder if they are true or not. When in reality, all we've been doing is trying to follow Jesus. Okay. Now I want you to look at this. Matthew five. You got your Bibles? Grab them. It's on the app. It's on your phone. By the way, if you need a printed or a, a physical copy of the Bible and you don't have one, we'll stop by the information desk. We'll give you one. Okay. Matthew chapter five. So Jesus says that, verse 11, God blesses you when people mock you, persecute you, lie about you, say all kinds of evil things about you because you are my followers. Be happy about it, be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way, ready? Now the very next thing he says, and there wasn't a week delay between these conversations. This is all like in one breath. The very next thing he says is this, He says, "'You are the salt of the earth, "'but what good is salt if it loses its salty flavor? "'Can you make it salty again? "'It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot "'and and, as worthless. "'You are the light of the world, "'like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. "'No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. "'Instead, a, a lamp is placed on a stand "'where it gives light to everyone in the house.' In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Jesus looks and says, guys, what you're going to hear is you're going to hear that you're a liar. What you're going to hear is you're going to hear the mockery. What you're going to hear is all sorts of evil things, all these false accusations. And what I'm here to tell you is that that is not true. What you are is the light of is the salt of the earth. That's what you are. What you are is the light of the world. That is what you are. And when you think about how that plays out, that light is placed as a beacon. It shines out and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, your good deeds shine out for all to see so everyone will praise your heavenly Father. We have a tendency to believe these lies and to accept these accusations. And what Jesus is doing is he's stepping in and he's like, listen, I know that's the way that that's going to roll. I know that's what you're going to hear the most about yourself. That's what the ancient prophets did. That's what I did. That happened to the disciples. It's going to happen to you. But I want you to embrace my truth and to trust it. And the truth is, is that you are salt. You're the salt of the earth. That is who you actually are right now let's talk about this for a second let me let me bible nerd on you for a second right when jesus was using that metaphor he was speaking to an ancient people and ancient people think about salt differently than we think about salt right so when we think about salt we think about it mostly as a seasoning right put a little salt on it in fact in our culture we're, we eat too much salt right it's a high salt diet well I'm always like, well, then don't make things taste good with salt, like everything that's good kills you, right? Everything that's good for you tastes like grass clippings. So like we struggle with that. So we would think that salt that way, or we might think about it as like, put it on the roads in the wintertime. Right? I, I said this in another meeting earlier this week, and this lady from, from uh, Florida, she's like, why would you put salt on the roads at wintertime? And I was like, I, I hate you, and Jesus does not love you. Right? So, but, but that's how we would think about salt. We would tend to think about it in those, those two ways. An ancient person would have heard this differently. So in the ancient world, salt was valuable, so wars were started over salt. Uh, if you were going to create a village or a settlement, they would often build those around a salt deposit. It was that value of a commodity. Even up into like the 1800s in the Civil War, the Union actually would capture the Confederacy's salt supplies because they knew it was a way to cripple their army. That's how they would think about salt very differently than how we would think about salt. And the reason they thought about salt that way is because of how they used it. So the Egyptians discovered that you could use salt to preserve meat. So in the ancient Near East, there wasn't a lot of refrigeration. And so if you were going to keep something or preserve something, they discovered that you could use salt to do that, so salt was valuable, it was a commodity. You would trade salt in the ancient world just like you would trade gold or silver. And that's why at times there was even wars fought about it because salt was life-giving, see. Salt also was beneficial, the the people of old knew that you needed salt like in your diet. We don't need to add salt to our diet because we eat processed food. But when you're eating like fruits and nuts and whatever CrossFitters eat, when you're eating those things, you would have to add salt because your body actually needs a degree of salt. Well, the ancient people knew that. And so just like they would look for a fruit or a nut, they would look for a little bit of salt because it would bring life to their body. It would benefit your life. It was life-giving. And then they realized that salt was of everyday importance, so they, they realize that I need salt in my every day in order to bring benefit, in order to have life. So when Jesus said to them, you're the salt of the earth, they didn't receive that as seasoning for soup or melting ice. They received that as a form or a method of giving life. You're a life giver to the earth around you. You are a benefit to the earth around you. And then they would have heard that as a journey. See, as a journey. You go through, this is a normal, natural part of your everyday life. So when they heard you're the salt of the earth, they weren't thinking they need to go do something. They were thinking that they are something. I am a life-giving person who gives spiritual life. I bring benefit to the people around me, and I do this in kind of my everyday normal path of life. Jesus is saying, you're not all these lies and all these accusations. You're actually salt. And when all these lies and persecutions and mocking comes at you, don't believe that. Believe who you really are. You are the salt of the earth, right? Right? Now, the other metaphor he uses here is he says, you are light. You are light. Ready? I'm going to give you some deep insight about light. It's going to blow your mind. You're going to be like, Dr. Bogue, I can't believe you came up with it. Like, just prepare yourself. Ready? Here it is. Ready? Light cannot not be light. Right? Right? Round of applause. Nothing. All right, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ready? They, light cannot not be light. Light can't not give light because of what light is. So Jesus is looking at them. He's like, You're salt. You bring spiritual life. You bring spiritual blessing. And you do that like in your everyday life. That's how they would have interpreted that. And then he's like, You are light. Which means everywhere you go and everything you do, the light of me comes out of you. In fact, he goes on, he's like, the only way that you can hide light is if you put it under something. Because light cannot be light. It has to give light because light is light. So he says, what you are is you're like a city on a hill. And you're, you're a beacon, you're an orienter. When you walk into the room, you bring blessing and benefit to everybody in that room. You don't take the gospel and hoard it. I'm a follower of Jesus. And you don't take the gospel and hide it. I don't want anybody to know because of who you are, right? Because light cannot be not, not be light. It's impossible. So he says, you're not these things, you're not these lies, you're not this mockery, you're not all these evil things that are being said, you're not a hater, you're not self-righteous, you're not, now if you're a jerk, it's on you, but if you're persecuted for righteousness or for following me by simply adhering to what I say I am and what I say you are, when you do that and troubles come, be glad, be very glad, but be warned, because what I hear the most about myself is what I tend to believe about myself. And you're going to hear that the most, but it's not true. Because you are light, and you are salt. You bring value, you bring life to all those that you interact with. Right Now, why was this important to him? Jesus shows us his motivation and the motivation he gives is this. He says this in verse 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. So when he, what he's saying is this, when you go and act in who you are, who I've made you to be, and you simply live your life as salt and you live your life as the light that you are, what happens is people see that. When you do good deeds, which come from you being salt and you being light, when you love as you've been loved, when you, are, when you forgive as you've been forgiven, when you express the generosity that's been expressed to you, when you express the patience that's been expressed to you, when you express the servant's heart that's been expressed to you, when you are salt and you are light, When you do those good deeds, what it does is it brings praise to your Father. The way we would say this at Grace is we would say it makes Jesus make sense. People will understand who you are. A bunch of people are going to accuse you of all these things. That's going to happen. It happened to everybody. It's going to happen to you. But when you respond to that persecution and you respond to those lies and you respond to that mockery and you respond to all those evil things, in light of your identity, you are salt and you are light and you live that out, God's heart and God's mind is going to make sense to them because they see that being played out in, in you. And what he's really saying here is this, is that being salt and light make a difference. It makes a difference. It makes a difference when I live as salt and I know it. And I bring life and I bring benefit in my normal journey. And it makes a difference that I don't put my light under a bushel. And the light of Christ in me benefits everybody in the room. It makes a difference when I do these good deeds because they were done for me by Christ. It helps God make sense and it makes a huge difference, right? Now, when I grew up, I I grew up going to church, so some of you did, a bunch of us didn't. I often think some of us who didn't are at an advantage for some of us who did. But I grew up going to church. And the church I went to wasn't like Grace Church. The pastor was not sexy at all. So it was a different church. But when I, when I went to church, what I would do is I would go to church and the pastor would yell at me. So he called it preaching, but he would yell at me. So normally when we're talking, I just kind of talk like this. My pastor raises his voice, shout at you, pound the pulpit, like all those kind of things. And so I've heard this part of the Bible taught a thousand times. And the way that I heard it taught was this, that you need to go be salt. So you need to find a way to be salt. And the people around you need you to be salt. And you, you need to be the salt of the earth, right? And he'd kind of yell at you. And so I would leave and I'd be like, oh, snap. Like, now I got to figure out like how to be salt. So I got to go find somebody and like attack them with my saltiness or something, right? And I'm I'm supposed to tell them everything there is to know about Jesus and tell them what a sinner they are. And I'm supposed to, and I'm like, I got to like go do something. And then the same thing with light. You got to be light. That's the problem with this world. You got to be light. And so you got to go be light. And so like, there was like be light Saturdays, you know, and you would go like do something. And and you always walked away with like a to-do list and an obligation and a guilt trip, right? And that's how I always heard this. Is you, that's, you got two more things to do to, to make Jesus happy. You got to be salt. You got to be light. And you better figure it out or you're not a real follower of Jesus, right? And what's fascinating about what Jesus says here is he does not say that. He does not say that. Ready? He says, You are salt. And you are light. He doesn't say, Go be it. He's saying, That's what you are. You are not these lies. That is not true. Your faith isn't foolish. Your devotion isn't dumb. Your your walking in the way of the Lord isn't an old-fashioned social construct. You are salt. You bring life and benefit as you move through your life and you are light. Whatever room you walk into, the light, benefits everybody in the room. And when you live like that, we would say it makes Jesus make sense. People understand the heart and the mind of God. Now that delineation is a big deal. That delineation is a big deal because every time I heard about salt and light, I would get motivated, I would try, and then I would feel like a failure, right? Because I would go to school all amped up to be salt and light and I would turn out to be a dud. I would go to the dorm and I'm I'm gonna be the one that doesn't and I would, instead I'd be the one that got sucked in. I would move out, I'm I'm gonna make sure I never and sure enough, I, I did it again. And I was always failing to keep the list that I thought Jesus gave me. I wrote this in our notes. I think it's important. Jesus is less interested in your last failure than he is your next surrender. Jesus is less interested in your last failure than he is your next surrender. When I look at God and say, "I, I can't do this, he's like, I know, that's why I came. I can't live out your commandments perfectly. Right. That's what the cross is for. I'm not even a very good Christian. I didn't ask you to be. You're saved by grace through faith. It's not by works. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to understand who I say you are. Because every time I tried to be salt and light, I wound up as a failure. And Jesus in essence was looking at me and, said, and saying, why don't you quit trying to do something and why don't you embrace who I made you? You don't do salt, you don't do light. You are salt and you are light. And I made that. And the more that you embrace that identity, the more that you understand that that is who you are and that God working in you and God working through you, wherever you are at your natural path of life, has an impact. And when I blow it, God isn't looking and saying, you dummy, you blew it again. God's gonna look at you and say, yep, that's what grace is for. The fact that you always blow it is why you need a savior, but I got you Let's talk about our next yes, not about our last failure. When you confess that sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you. He cleanses you. That's not just your salvation. That's your failures in your Christian walk. And he forgets those other sins too. He throws those as far as the east is from the west. God's not focused on your last failure. He's focused on your next surrender. So when we fail and we fall short... We don't walk around defeated because that's not who you are. And here's what happens, the more that I fail, when I fail, I start believing the lies because I believe I just verified them as truth. If I'm being called a hater and I get frustrated with somebody and I get short-tempered, I believe I just verify that that's who I am. When I get called self-righteous and I act a little bit self-righteous and somebody points that out, I'm like, "Ah, snap, that must mean I'm actually self-righteous. And Jesus is looking and saying, if you are actually following me, that's not true. You failed, now you rest in grace. Let's talk about the next yes instead of the forgotten no. And Christ is way more interested in our next surrender then he is our last failure. And when we live in the identity, I don't do salt, I don't do light, I am salt and I am light. And it's not about all the times I got it wrong, it's about those times that I got it right with my good deeds according to Jesus and somebody, the lights went on and they started to understand the heart of God, uh, heart of God better. I said this too. I said none of us can serve Jesus perfectly but we can serve him persistently. None of us can serve Jesus perfectly, but we can serve him persistently. And it's not about me trying harder and me going at it one more time. And I'm going to salt and I'm going to light harder than I've ever salt and lit before. It's not what he's saying. It's about me understanding who he made me to be. The more that I love Christ with my heart, soul and mind and strength, the more I download and trust who he says that I am. And he doesn't say that Jeff is amazing. He's not my mom. Jeff's amazing. Jeff's incredible. Jeff's so talented. Jeff's so cute. Jeff's so smart. That's not what the, that's not what that's all that's all new age nonsense. What he says is I'm redeemed. I'm changed. I'm reborn. I am who he says that I am. And when I live in that identity, that becomes what defines and directs my life. I can't follow Jesus perfectly. If I could, I wouldn't need Jesus. I could be self-righteous. I could, I could provide my own salvation. But I can serve Jesus persistently. Because when you love somebody, you go back to them again and again and again even when there's brokenness, even when there's failure. And my motive to love Christ is what causes me to make the next surrender to Christ. It's not because he's going to break up with me and kick me out. It's because he loves me so deeply and I understand his mercy and his grace and compassion in my life. And as I understand that, and I download that, what happens is me being the salt of the earth and me being the light of the world makes more and more sense and becomes a deeper part of my identity. And when it becomes a deeper part of my identity, it becomes the natural way that I live. And when it becomes the natural way that I live, it defines how I act. And when I act as salt and I act as light, it brings glory to my heavenly Father. See? And Jesus... A loving God is speaking a loving truth to people that he loves, right? He says, you're not this, you are this. Now let's talk about how to live in this new identity that I gave to you, All right. Band's gonna come out. Would you pray with me as they rearrange the stage here? Jesus, we love you and we're grateful for you and thank you that you love us. And Lord, I think we struggle with this. It's incredibly difficult for us to believe that our salvation is a gift because everything that we have in life, every relationship we have in life has a degree of conditionality to it, except with you. You've chosen to love us You've chosen to give yourself to us. You've chosen to forgive us. And Jesus, I believe that you're just telling us to rest in that, just to love you and we'll do what you've asked us to do. So God, for the defeated person tonight, the the person who feels like they've blown it and they they always fail and they're back at it. They, They said they weren't going to. God, would you remind them who they are? And would you dig deep into their heart with an encouragement that you love them and you've called them and they are salt and they are light. God, for the one who is just discouraged, they've been praying for and praying for a friend, a family member, and just seems like all that they do and all the ways that they try don't make a difference. Would you encourage them? That being salt and being light does make a difference it matters a lot and Jesus to all of us would you through your holy spirit empowering your word help us to fully embrace what you've done in our life and what you've called us to in these moments god would you press that into our hearts in a very personal way